Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. The Around the NFL podcast. Wait, where are all the Jets hats? Dan? (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Oh, and joining us for the first time in a in a full show capacity, at least, Nick Shook. Hey, Dan. Who's Nick Shook? You want to know who Nick Shook is? Nick Shook. A baller. That's what he is. Nick Shook. Uh, and this is our video show. So right away, you're like, whoa, who is this dude? Uh, very well built. Uh, extremely masculine. <laughs> Nick Shook works uh, on the uh, editorial team downstairs in the newsroom. Uh, has been with the company for a couple of years, right? Two or three Combined, years yeah. almost. Yeah, took a little sabbatical. Took a sabbatical, um, but uh, is definitely highly knowledgeable. Also, um, another Browns fan. Oh, it's... There seems to be quite a few Browns fans considering the plight. Oh, what do you know? They're actually loyal through the course of their life. They don't just move yeah. to another city and pick up what other team happens to be operating there in the zip code. Very nice. Well played, Mark. Well, I love Shook as an ally. Well, okay. You know, Shook and I have been through some tough <laughs> I mean, times. It's, I like to tell Shook just, what it's like to watch a team that hasn't won in yeah. three-plus decades. He likes to tell me about one that hasn't won in two-plus right, decades. It's, a, so. it's somehow a, a stranger argument coming from a man who grew up in Connecticut and roots for the Browns. But but you've been loyal. You know yeah. what I mean? You've been yeah, loyal. Yeah, it is fair. But uh, there's no Connecticut. This guy is from Cleveland. There's He's no from the Connecticut heart of Cleveland, insurance maybe. workers playing on Sunday, so you had to pick a team. Um, Mark, by the way, yeah, we do want to – Touch touch base real quick. So, Nick, welcome to the show. Happy to have you for our Around the NFC in 48 minutes we're going to get to. We needed help, so we, we go to the bullpen, and, and we're excited. Mark, uh, last time we talked to you, you were racing back for, from an urgent care clinic. Uh, here's, uh, in case you missed our last show, a quick uh, rundown of what happened with Mark last show. This together. Major laceration on the on the left index finger. On the left index finger. On the left index finger. Hey, let's just glue this together. Hey, let's just glue this together. Hey, let's just glue this together. <laughs> All right, so major laceration, and uh, you went to the urgent care and got it stitched up. A, a smaller cast on your hand, but still a lot of gauze. Uh, where are you at physically right now? Well, that ridiculous thing that was on the hand before, I switched it over. And the the beeping makes sense. I looked at it. It does not look good. I'm going to be honest. It just doesn't look good. And they have me on some bizarre antibiotic where hey, I feel slightly Mark, I... dizzy and nauseous all the time. So. Is Mark okay? <laughs> it, listen, the last time Shook was on the show, I was on the couch at home sidelined with another health issue. So this is, could be huge for Shook. Could I, be huge. I hope Wes isn't at home recovering from the big C. He's doing great. You know, lost his voice a little bit listening to us moan about the finger what do you say why are you marginal again greg marginalized two times in roughly two minutes greg taking everything that i'm about and just saying you're kind of worthless to greg of course this is the around the nfl podcast presented by new era and uh and 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 now we have all the hats if you're watching the video show which 
uh, is live on uh, NFL.com at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Overseas, figure it out. All the hats on display. We're all wearing hats for today's show. Uh, Greg, you're going with the the Patriots um, visor that neatly matches your NFL Network shirt. So you kind of look like a guy that, like one of Belichick's underpaid assistants. Mm. Not happy uh, about it either. Yeah, what, what's don't look the issue with the, with the clothing? I, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> the guy who, who holds the red hanky for him and hands it to him. <laughs> right. Sure. You're basically Eric Mangini in 1997. I would take that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to give you a better job than that. I thought you could be like next to Josh McDaniels with your arms folded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so today we got a lot to get to, so let's get to it. Um, Matty Stafford got paid. Oh, my goodness. Uh, as I teased moments earlier, we did the AFC on Monday, today around the NFC, and I mean around the NFC in 48 minutes. Uh, and Joe Hayden, no longer a Brown. And, uh, guys, I got a little news. Now a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. My goodness. So we'll get into that. Uh, and we'll talk to the Browns fans in the room. Uh, but uh, before we do any of that, we say hello behind the glass to uh, the great Erica Tamposi. Some people call her a loose cannon. I just call her LC. What's oh, up? That's right. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. You have your Patriots cap on. This is our final New Era show, so yeah. we're really blowing it out. I here like. I came up. I don't team. know if you saw it on Twitter, but New Era Ka. Like, where's my brand Ooh. deal? See, this is why. Always, always with Erica. Always looking for that angle, building the brand. Oh yeah, she's ruthless. She's running her own fantasy league with listeners. Is that true? No, I, just, I couldn't film my own. Tim I, Posey film. I think it's great. I couldn't film my own with my own. I don't have any friends. <laughs> wow. I have zero friends. Brand power. Hey, no friends. You got four on this side of the Thank glass, you. Erica. Let's, let's do some news. All right. Let's start um, with the latest and, and what has been, you know, a tragedy down in Texas and uh, along the Gulf Coast now, Hurricane Harvey. Uh, which um, continues to to batter the region there as a result of the storm and the unprecedented flooding. The Texans uh, were in a very difficult spot uh, with their final preseason game. There was a plan for the Cowboys and Texans to move and play their game at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, which, of course, is the Cowboys' home field. But that has now been canceled, both teams announced um, According to Mike Garofolo at NFL Network, one of the reasons for canceling the game now is for players to get back to Houston, help out in the relief efforts, and be with their families. Uh, so no uh, final preseason game between the Cowboys and Texans. Uh, but there is, Greg, um, some positive signs uh, amidst the devastation down there that we might be getting back to uh, approaching normalcy in terms of the long road back to that. Well, for for football, yes. I, I took some news that Rick Smith, their general manager, said the plan was to play week one in Houston, that they would be hosting the game against the Jaguars. I don't think that's official, but he said that that's the plan, and I'm sure that'll be uh, an emotional day. I think it's going to be a long recovery for the region, but you can understand, of course, of course you go home. Like, if they would have had to stay there an extra 48 hours knowing that their kids, in some cases, and their house and their families and their wives are, are there and you just, like, you have to stay there for the fourth preseason game, it, it seems a little crazy. So they, they sounded like they were very excited to get on the bus and head back to Houston. Um, and for everyone to know, because it, one of the great um, 
you know, human stories out of this that's come out of this is how much everyone has helped and pitched in across the country. J.J. Watt has been a major part of that and uh, a lot of teams chipping in. Uh, you can, too. Um, you could join the NFL family in helping those affected by Hurricane Harvey by texting keyword Harvey um, to 90999 to donate $10 to the American Red Cross Hurricane Harvey Relief, your donation enables the Red Cross to respond and help people recover from this disaster. Please donate today and help those in need. You could also visit www.redcross.org slash NFL. There's a lot of when these type of uh, tragedies happen uh, and there's massive relief efforts, there's a lot of scams that pop up. Make sure you're donating to the right places. That one's foolproof. Uh, moving on to um, Football news, we hinted uh, earlier, Joe Hayden, no longer a member of the Browns, uh, the former first-round pick who had been there since 2010 and was once uh, their best player, uh, has, has slipped in the last couple of years with some injuries, uh, and now the Browns made the decision to cut ties with the former pro bowler. Uh, Nick Shook, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, he, right just as we started the show, he agreed to a three-year deal with the Steelers, uh, how difficult is it, uh, let's start here, as a Browns fan to see him go from Cleveland to Pittsburgh, your arch rival? Uh, this ha- the first time this happened in my life was when punter Chris Gardaki defected from the Browns to the <laughs> wow. Steelers. Right at that level. Gardaki! Right Back level. in the day, and yeah. that was heartbreaking. Uh, I've since grown into an adult, and it doesn't affect me as much, or if at all. Uh, Joe, Hayden, <laughs> Joe Hayden lost a step um, in the last year and a half, whether anybody likes to admit it or not. He has dealt with injuries Having a um, – how, how would you characterize a groin injury? Uh, that's going to make you a little bit slower, too. Right, but sure. You could tell he's not a an eight-figure cornerback anymore. He's not a top-five cornerback. And, I mean, even some of the highlights that we run now, if, if there isn't a safety to help him there, he's getting burned. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the division knew that. So – I mean, the Steelers. This Steelers is a pretty, didn't know it. This is a pretty big contract for yeah for a team that might know that. But then again, you know, maybe, maybe I think the Steelers know it because they were willing to give Cleveland. I mean, listen, whenever you can take from the Browns at at a, on a contract that Cleveland will help split the split the bill on, why not? They gave Cleveland a draft pick for Justin Gilbert, so they're always willing to test the waters. They'll play Cleveland in Week One. I find that to be, you know, it bothered me last year when Cleveland uh, agreed to the trade with the Eagles that allowed the Eagles to get Carson Wentz. And you knew Carson Wentz was playing Cleveland in the opener, that there would be right, there'd be a way to kind of create issues right away with that trade. <laughs> and this is not a trade, but the idea that Joe Hayden probably could be lining up for Pittsburgh immediately. Oh, sure. You know, week one and dealing with Cleveland and probably, you know, offering secrets about Cleveland's plan. That said, I'm with Shook that this was something that we've mentioned on the podcast more than once this offseason, that Hayden's contract was untenable. Cleveland is aggressively moving in a new direction, and I don't have a problem with Cleveland parting ways here with it, Joe Hayden. It's a huge move for Pittsburgh, though. They're giving him $7 million this season. So that's not top-shelf starter money. That's just kind of mid-level veteran starter money. But that's significant. That's, hey, we're desperate at the position. We don't know who we're going to start. It was going to be Ross Cockrell, uh, I believe, their third-round pick, Cam Sutton, was maybe in the mix, or Cody Sensma. Like, they did not feel comfortable at cornerback at all, and they're looking for Hayden to come in and kind of shore up that position. And I found this interesting. Adam Schefter reports that uh, Hayden had bigger offers from other teams that, that he turned down because he wanted Pittsburgh, so he stays in the a- AFC North. I know if – I know is well, 
in a similar situation. David Harris going to the Patriots. I'm happy for him. I hope he, he does well. But what about also, Darrell Revis going to the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, that, they, there is the, some similar DNA. There. You don't. You'd rather him not end up with your division rival. No. You want him to do well, but that's it. I'd uh, like to see him with the Lions. Just get him out. Get him deep into the <laughs> distance, right? And uh, one quick other note on the Browns: Cavern, Cameron Irving, uh, a, a draft bust from 2015, traded to the Chiefs for a fifth rounder. So the, the Browns continue to accumulate draft picks. Also in the news, Matthew Stafford got paid. That is the business of quarterback in the NFL. If you are above average, if you're on the right side of the Dalton scale, you're going to get a lot of money. And uh, Detroit and Stafford agreed to terms on a five-year deal worth $135 million, $92 million in guarantees. He is now the highest-paid player in the league. Greg, uh, tell me what this says about the landscape financially in the NFL. Just means he's up next, and I we keep having this conversation. I still think he's underpaid. He actually takes up less of the salary cap than many quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers did when he first signed his deal because the sa- the salaries have exploded and they it hasn't really caught up quarterback wise compared to defensive ends making eighteen million dollars a year. So this this story got on a lot of talk radio, sports radio's radar. Oh, how how can Matthew Stafford be the top player in the league? It, it's like he'll be the twelfth best paid quarterback in three years. And so that then it'll make We all need to catch sense. up on the quarterback thing. It's, it's just the latest. They're all going to be over $30 million before too long. Kirk Cousins especially is going to help blow it out. All right. And uh, that's what's happening in the news. We've got to keep moving. Congratulations, Maddie. I'll pay for a lot of diapers, as he tweeted yesterday. <laughs> he, he timed this well. He, he got that. He got that money being the number one overall pick before this CBA came in, just like Sam Bradford. And now he's coming in after the salary cap. Both him and Sam Bradford have made an insane amount of money, considering, like yeah. c- compared to a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or Drew Brees. Like those two guys timed everything perfect. Um, I'm. It's a little ag- aggravating, aggravating to me as somebody that has to pay for diapers and it costs a lot of money for that to be a, one of the go-to bits for guys after they sign a big contract. Whew, now I can take care of these diapers. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, all right. A, nah. they're expensive and the, there's a constant. Are they really for- that expensive? Bro. Well, maybe not for you, Greg, but on the on, on the salaries that Dan and I are operating on, I just, I, they were they took a chunk out of the household budget. I will I can confirm. Extremely expensive. Worst thing to buy: diapers, waffle fries. Worst thing? Why, among, that's a among random quarterbacks who got paid. <laughs> oh. Derek Carr. Oh, that's tr- oh, that's right. Okay. That's, that's right. Point. And of course, Joe Flacco famously went to McDonald's after he got his massive contract. All right, now it's time for the training camp spotlight presented by New Era. All right, Greg, cue us up here. Um, there are names out there. Trades happen in the league this time of year. Uh, real quick, throw throw out some names that could be on the move in your opinion. Yeah, I think this Gun. this week. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> all the players are getting cut after the Thursday night game, so it's going to be a deluge of players, and there's a lot of trade talks. Uh, a couple names I think to watch: Brock Osweiler. If he doesn't get traded, and I'd be shocked if he did, will he get cut? I tend to think yes. Once you put these guys up on the trade block, they usually get cut. T.J. Ward is another one in Denver. Matt Forte. I don't know why they would cut him when he's guaranteed $4 million. Looked pretty good the other day, but he's another name. Well, they don't want to win games. That would be one That seems one to be reason. it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, Sheldon Richardson uh, has really killed it in the uh, preseason. I'm wondering if they really make one last uh, gasp to try to get him moved before the season. He could help someone, and in a contract year, I think he's somebody that if you're a team that needs help on the defensive line mm. – uh, maybe it'll cost you a second or third rounder, but you get a guy that can really win games for you potentially. Uh, not bad either. Well, one quick Jets thing. Is it a total disservice 
to Matt Forte to wait this long to decide what to do with him. Now he's got to try to go catch up with somewhere else if he gets cut. Well, ask Joe could, Hayden the same thing. Yeah, I mean, Hayden, hey, I agree, that's fair. But, I mean, Hayden at some point had a chance in camp, I think, to truly be a starter for Cleveland. I, I, with Matt Forte, it's like they obviously cut bait on all these all these veterans. And now he's, he's not going to get a starting job they, somewhere. They didn't cut him because the money was guaranteed, and they, they made the decision to try to hold on to him. I guess he's probably been shot for a while. Uh, that is the training camp spotlight presented by New Era. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, New Era's NFL training collection has a great combination of innovative performance and style with features like UV protection, moisture wicking, and cooling technology. There's no reason you shouldn't make the New Era NFL training collection a part of your daily attire. Available at retailers like LidsNFLShop.com and Dick's Sporting Goods. In your favorite team. Um, daily attire, Nick Shook. I'm a big fan of New Era, and you can't tell by this hat, Chew. but I'm bald. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> As a bald guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. you need something to dress up. You're really head. checking all the boxes. You're a Browns fan. You're checking the bald box for Wes sitting in his yeah. seats. Yeah. So what box do I check for you? Well, I, you know, you're. You've got a great box. Can I say you're checking the box of I've been pumping up Kevin Patrick for three years in this podcast for his bod, and now we got like a young Arnold sitting in the studio, and it's now I feel <laughs> yeah. weird about the Patrick thing. How do I ever go back to as as nice as Patrick's bod is after seeing what I've seen? You know, flame. I think uh, it's great. Patrick has that bulletin board that he has yeah. up on his wall, and he's got a lot to write on it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So does anyone that claims to be in shape on any level? I mean. The, uh, if there's an argument that human beings came from like multiple different planets, when yes. Shook, when he walks around the newsroom, he'd be an argument because he d- literally looks like a different human being <laughs> than most other men in the room. So anybody else want to objectify Nick's body before we move? No, I think he no. he likes it though. He seems to like it. Um, I was <laughs> did we make down, you? I, I was walking down the street with my girlfriend the other day, and I walked past a construction crew, and they were whistling at you. She's in shape, and she was wearing a crop top, and they said stuff to me, not her. Mm. She was upset. Wow. How about that? I almost so got into a problem. He loves it. Yeah. That's he, not he, he likes it. Absolutely. No, it. it's part of life. You know what it's well, part? It's part of the good life. You know what it is? <laughs> you put in a lot of work on that bod. Yes or no? Yeah. How many times a week are you working at? Five. Oh, my God. How many What hours? are you doing the other two days? Um, I don't want to sound like that guy, but I would say like active rest, playing basketball, that kind of thing. Rest is important, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not, probably an hour and a half each time. Okay. Okay. Do the math, guys. 15 hours pumping iron. <laughs> I'm also not married. I don't have kids. So he, he takes so all that work. Now he gets to show out now and say, "This is what the work gave." Most yeah. of us didn't have kids deep into our thirties, and we never achieved <laughs> anything close. So that's not, you know. Yeah. Um, is this getting weird, Erica? Is this it's, getting it's weird? It's beyond weird. Um, I mean, a little weird, but it's like it's fine. All right. It's cool. Junior Belichick over here, you know, pretending like he's not a part of it. You're looking at the bot too. <laughs> all right. I feel like I need to cover up. <laughs> All right, so we did it. Let's move on. So we did it um, on Monday around the AFC. And just so you're aware, Nick, we we don't go through. We don't kind of jump in and out. We go around the NFC in 48 minutes, three minutes per team. And we'll start in the NFC East. And, uh, Greg, we will start with you. Erica, are we ready to start the clock? I mean, this is our NFC preview right here. Yeah, we're ready. Give us a little foghorn to get us going. Eagles, go. If football is won in the trenches, they always say that. Uh, football's won up front. 
Okay. Okay. Don't we have to take the Eagles seriously as a contender in this division? Because for their defensive line, Timmy Jernigan could be one of the best pickups of the offseason next to Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. That's a great defensive line. The offensive line's pretty strong. Not quite with the Cowboys, but I think they believe it'll be a strength of their team. This is a team built from the inside out, and I think they have to feel pretty good about both of their lines heading into the season. Are you getting sucked in by the Eagles again? <laughs> Just what I do. I feel you know. like of, of any team that I watched on Game Pass live during the preseason that Philly's front seven interrupted and created chaos for every quarterback they faced. I don't buy it so much with what I saw in the ground game. In, on the, offensive, on the offensive line had a bad preseason, so I think but they have to worry about we'll that. But on paper, I think they like the players. Defense was completely different than last year's team. Now, Greg, when is the last time you didn't pick the Eagles to win the NFC East? It's been a while. I just like to be consistent, you know, pick what you root, what you want to happen anyway. So why not? Just why is that? that? I'm just let's dig pick, into that just things. a little bit. real quick. Like I picked the Packers and the Patriots yeah. in the Super Bowl every year for a long, long time. I don't know. Why what not? are we expecting from uh, from Carson Wentz this year? Because I know he showed good and bad traits last year. Nick, what do you think? I don't even think that would be the problem. I mean, you have your second year, which tends to be the year when those, especially guys who got a lot of experience in the rookie year, take that next step because, you know, the game slows down and everything. My problem with them is is where is he going outside of, of Alshon Jeffrey and, and Zach Ertz? Like, they, they put a lot of pressure on Nelson Aguilar to be something worthwhile, and I haven't seen it so far. And, I, and if you're going into a season and relying on him as one of your best targets, Torrey Smith, you hope, can take the top off. Of I like Matt Collins a little bit. You have some running backs that can catch the ball. I don't know. You, I've heard good arguments from smart people that Carson Wentz is the next guy. He's the guy to build around in the entire NFL. I've heard good arguments from smart people that Wentz was you know, a mess last year, and there's no reason to believe in particular that he's going to be an above-average quarterback anytime soon. And I don't know what to believe. Like, I he, I have no idea what's going to happen with Wentz. Either way, it wouldn't surprise me. It happens with these. After one year, there's a lot of assumptions drawn on quarterbacks. We saw it with Derek Carr. We saw it with Blake Bortles. We've seen it with Carson Wentz. Maybe we stop drawing these conclusions after one season. Mm-hmm. I keep on catching a glimpse of you, Greg, in the video monitor. with The, the way the shirt matches the cap. It I looks like a Halloween costume. It wasn't planned. Yeah, it wasn't planned. I definitely do look like I'm, especially with the headset. I really do kind of look like uh, I'm calling in plays. Like, yeah, or it's like yeah. senior year of college and someone's throwing like a Halloween party and you're playing Belichick. Nine, Poor Eagles. Eight, <laughs> Didn't even get talked about. Six, Graham Cox, Jernigan, four, that is there, I believe, with one of the best trios in the league. I like They're going to be in the mix. Dallas Cowboys. All right, the Cowboys won last year. Why, guys? Why? I'll tell you why. They had a rookie quarterback who could make plays, limit mistakes, and a dominant running game that could chew up the clock, close out games. Pretty easy. If you can get that formula, it's not easy to get the formula. But with Zeke sidelined potentially until week eight, we don't know. That that could even come down before you hear this, what's going on with his appeal. But as, as of right now, it's still uh, the six-week suspension. Uh, if, with him sidelined, is the formula compromised? And is the Dallas defense, which was effectively hidden last year, about to be exposed? Anthony Hitchens' injury won't help matters. Mark Sessler. I don't like when I hear people say that, oh, once we've seen someone like Darren McFadden come in in the preseason and run well in games where no one's game planning, that this is a kind of a running back proof offense, that Ezekiel Elliott wasn't really a difference maker. I think anyone that watched him last year saw a really rare 
athlete, someone that was a completely different type of guy. So missing him is huge. The idea that an offensive line is going to continue to play the way it does year after year, they've had some changes in personnel, is another assumption. So I need to see it before I make sure that's going to happen. I'm on board with that because and, – and I'll give you my hot take at the end of this, but – Wow, you're saving Whoa, look that. Look yeah. a vet. That's a tease. Yeah. Uh, this this line is missing pieces. You know, they, they relied on, on Leary last year. He's gone. Doug Free, gone. And you don't you might not have your best running back. And there's a way that he runs, like you said, that's specific and unique to to his, I guess, body type and also in the way that he can find a hole that that your average running back, Darren McFadden or Alfred Morris can really But they have three all pros and they believe they're better at right tackle. We'll see if they are, but we'll, they believe they're better at right tackle for Leal Collins. So they have one real major trouble spot, left guard, where, where it looks like it's going to be Jonathan Cooper by default. That's a problem. I think the one thing we haven't talked about yet, and it's typical of this show, which is amazing to think about, is Dak Prescott. Like, Dak Prescott, what, like where is that ceiling for him? We haven't talked about him much. And if, if he was a first-round picker, I don't know. For Considering he's on the Cowboys, his ceiling should be – the best quarterback in the league because we have not seen a quarterback come into the league and be that good. He, if he takes the normal second-year leap, he's going to be unbelievable. He has played, um, you know, put this how much how much stock you want to put into it. But he's played lights out um, this summer in his practices. You all you read is raves about how smooth and how in control he is. They've talked about giving her a bigger role. Des Bryant is healthy. There is a chance, and I, I I'm concerned if I'm a Cowboys fan that'll be hard to replicate last season but the way the the way the path back to 12 and 4 13 and 3 is Dak takes that next step and is even better and then when Zeke gets back everything kind of comes together and you're a force yeah biggest issue yeah. I think is that the fact that that division I, I wouldn't surprise me if any of the teams won the division would not surprise me Six, it's a wide open division hot take the Cowboys don't make it they don't make the playoffs mm, because of their defense hmm. up next Nick Shook. All right, so we have the New York Giants, which you know what you're going to get in the New York Giants' pass defense. You're going to you know what you're going to get from most of that front seven. But the big question mark this entire preseason, and we don't want to put too much stock in the preseason, but you know that's all we have to work with right now, is that offensive line, and specifically the right guard position, which has been John Jerry. They've rotated some other guys in there, and left tackle Eric Flowers hasn't exactly been the best either. Uh, you saw the results of that in Terrible. the Giants failing to score an offensive touchdown until the third preseason game, which was against the New York Jets. Uh, that's what they needed to get into the end zone. And Ouch. I think that's where the concern lies. They have the weapons, but can they protect Eli Manning? I'm not sure they can, and I'm not sure they can uh, have the best running game either as a result. It's a familiar problem. They had the issue last year. Eli uh, did not get the time he needed, and he didn't play well. And... Uh, we talked about it during the free agency draft process that when you're a team with that situation, with a line issue, and it's not a good draft for a line and there's not a lot of great free agency options, like how do you get better? How do you fix that problem? It's not easy. They they doubled down on the guys that they had in terms of flowers and heart, and they're thinking they'll get better. I'm interested to see how this offense looks because we've heard Brandon Marshall's been a little slow to get up to speed there in terms of learning that offense. And when I watch him, I, to me, Sterling Shepard, is going to be a much bigger factor than Brandon Marshall. And with Odell Beckham hurt early in the season, he's going to be even a bigger factor. And Evan Ingram, I know it's only the preseason, but he looks like he might skip that every rookie tight end isn't that big a factor early. I mean, Ingram and Shepard, if the two of them end up making a big-time impact, that that improves the offense. 
I, I really have concerns about the line. The, the running game in that division and in general just trying to get deep into the season has not improved, which is why I picked them for some reason in August to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Very concerned about that <laughs> selection. That's a hot pick. That's a hot why pick. not? Why not? They, well, I do change? say why not with them. Well, because on paper, I think they the, could defense be the, is the defense, please. They could be. I was trying to think, who's the best defense in the NFL? There's only a couple different teams that comes to mind, and they are one of them. Like yep. that, that first game, Giants-Cowboys could be the best offense versus the best defense. Yeah. Yeah, I think their GM saved his job with a killer free agency haul last year, and now they have a second year together. That's what you – I guess, Mark, with your prediction, the defense is as good as last year or better, and Eli isn't done. And it was a, a wildly rash Don't thing back to do with it. Come on, well, stick with it. Hey, not backing away, <laughs> but I'm not it's, – it's not logic that I'm arguing. It's just I threw it out there. Let's see what happens. Any other final thoughts on the New York Giants? Uh, going back to protecting the quarterback, yeah. I know Eli's been like the Iron Man, but their backup quarterback situation would not be good if he went down. Geno so. Smith may not make the team. That's yeah. another name to watch this weekend. He's coming off a torn ACL, has not played well. It'll be either him or Josh Johnson gets cut, and and one of them will be the backup. Greg, what about you? Like That would be hurtful if Josh Johnson. I hope they make Gino. the right decision, Giants, if you know what's good for you. <laughs> Mark, close out the division with the Washington football team. All right. To me, watching this team, this looks like a bottom five offense from wire to wire in the preseason. I didn't see Terrell Pryor connecting or meshing with Kirk Cousins. I didn't see Kirk Cousins connecting with really anyone. Your tight end is an injury-prone guy. And honestly, I watched this team over and over wanting to see the club that over the last couple years under Gruden has really at times peaked and been an exciting offense. Deep concerns. Should I just say it's the preseason? I don't need to worry. They're going to figure it all out by week one. Not by week one. This team hasn't played together. So you mentioned Reed was barely there. Yep. Pryor, Pryor has not played well with Cousins. Dotson has really been off and on the field. Coach calling him out. So they they really just haven't been on the field at the same time together. But they could warm up into it, I think. During I don't know if you can. I, that's my concern. In the, well, the Cowboys could be in the same situation without Elliott, but warming up, warming up in the, in the NFC East could be tough. I think it's a tough, that's a tough road. I, I get they have not looked good, and they're – changing their scheme and I guess I'll give Kirk Cousins a little credit here the fact that he keeps on getting 20 million dollar contracts is he's been a producer uh every time he's gotten the opportunity and I think they have the players they there's injury issues but I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna panic yet but it might take a little while and in a very comp- uh, competitive di- uh, division I would love to see them. you actually panicking over this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan just like fretting. Gosh, this Redskins offense. I do think about them a lot. I think their their season really comes down to those two wide receivers, Pryor and Dotson, because they have to have a special offense. That's kind of the way they're built. They're an offensive team because defensively, they're just one of those teams that, that are hoping to be average. Like they, they have no hope to be a top defense. They're just hoping that they're okay, and they could be worse than okay. Do you want Josh Norman coming after you? Secondary's okay. Yeah. Secondary is not bad. They're pretty deep at cornerback. They like their cornerback situation. I think this is one of the toughest divisions to try to pick in the way that it'll all pan out in the end. But I think having after having this discussion, uh, I think I see the bottom feeder here <laughs> in right. a good division. I mean, it's it's not dishonorable to go six and ten. Yeah, uh, picking the Redskins to come in last too. I think they, I do as well. I yeah. think that they're oh. in a tough position here, but they have kind of exceeded modest expectations before. And I, 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 I'm, I'm wary of that. I'm not panicking about it, but I'm wary I've of that. I've got a lot of emotion tied up in this Redskins. I'm weird, just trying to get to zero on the clock here. I have a weird flashback. <laughs> really? 
I could talk about the Redskins all day. I have a weird flashback to last year. Uh, I think we all picked them to come in last or something like that, and then you know they went to the playoffs. We've been wrong on that. We also forked them one year. They, and they, they, the they made the playoffs Sorry. with RG three. So. Do you like that? Do you like that? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, that was a thing. What else you got on the Redskins, Greg? How about <laughs> the fact that Jay Gruden didn't hire Wade Phillips when Wade Phillips wanted the job? Oof. And the guy he did hire only lasted one more season. Four. Or no, it. Yeah, one more season. I mean, I don't like their defense at all. Look at their coordinator. <laughs> Run it out of time. Blow it up. Smooth uh, under pressure right uh, there. Division pick. I got the Giants. I'm going Giants, Giants as well with the Eagles as a wild card. I like that. Wait, no one's picking the Cowboys? No. I'm going to take the Eagles just for the heck of it. There you go. All right, let's move on to the NFC North. Greg, get us going with the defending champs of that division. The, the Packers have been good for so long that we take it for granted. You know, Rodgers is always there. Ted Thompson is always there. Mike McCarthy's always there. But but they kind of have cycles. They, they're not where the, like the Patriots where they're just 12 or 13 wins all the time. And right now, I think they are in a good cycle of their offense having been there and coming together all at the right time before it blows up. Jordy Nelson's fully healthy, way removed from surgery. Devontae Adams proved he can be a difference maker. Randall Cobb is there still. He's healthy. Ty Montgomery's been in that system. Their offensive line has been together and is as good as it's been in the entire Aaron Rodgers run. To me, they are in the cycle, kind of like the Steelers, where this should be the year that they are peaking. Like Everything is set up for that offense. And really defensively, overall, it's pretty good, too, for this to be a Packers, let's get that one seed type of season. Well, you'd almost, you'd almost say we could get a rematch of Packers Pittsburgh, who they met back in 2010. These are the two teams in each conference you're wondering, when will you finally get it done and get back there? Yeah, I mean, look at it. Aaron Rodgers is, if he's not the best quarterback in the league, he's right behind Brady. And they last made it to the Super Bowl. Forget about when made it in 2010, uh, that season. So it's like, it's time. It's time to take advantage of having this you know, top 10 quarterback, maybe the top five quarterback of all time, having the right team around him. It seems like they do this time. And that's why I, I am, I'm with you. I think it's a referendum on the, on the coaching staff, uh, get something done, win the 12 games, get the home games and give yourself a clear path. I think last year, you're right. There was a lot of uncertainty, especially in the running game. And, and they, you're right. They have everything out on the offense for the most part. I mean, Ty Montgomery is not exactly the guy you really want to throw, run, hand the ball off to, but he's still effective. I think it comes down to how their secondary plays in these situations mm-hmm. because early in the season last year, they struggled. I mean, they were really bad for about a five-game stretch. Well, so, it's what got them beat. I mean, they're, you know, they, their offense, I think, was good enough to win the Super Bowl last year. It was that, those, that secondary that got Defense them. bounced back with a, with a similar good stretch later in the year, right, but right. ultimately – their defense in a division where you'd like to see that has never been a great strength. And you can t- Dom Capers, essentially, a nuclear bomb could land on Green Bay and he would, he would still be walking around on, on yeah, Lambeau. That hair would still Teflon look Dom. the exact same. Uh, by the way, if you are interested in Aaron Rodgers, and I've always found him to be a fascinating figure in the league, Mina Kimes of ESPN just wrote a feature that is well worth your time and it really gives you a, interest, a really good look at what the man behind – the mask, Six, the mustache, is all about the mustache. Right now, lose the mustache. Three, uh, by the way, two, come on, keep one. the mask. <laughs> Let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. All right, new new season, same question. Do the Vikings have enough offensive firepower to keep up in the NFC North? Okay, so the then the preseason, not gonna set the Vikings fans' minds at ease. <laughs> the first team offense with Sam Bradford. 
Uh, Athens Controls did not score a touchdown in the final three games of the preseason. The offensive line is subpar or has been subpar both in the running and in pass protection game. There are things to be concerned about on this offense, and when your division has guys like Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers in it, you're going to have to score points. Is this a death blow? Mm. They're offensive issues. I. That's another team that, watching Bradford, not a lot of time to throw, attempt after attempt, and it's another team like Washington where you where you thought a year ago you went out and got that alpha wide receiver, the guy that's going to lead your team. Instead, you have Laquan Treadwell, who's not progressing. And maybe he'll do something this year. He He's might playing at least. He might. I mean, I like Dalvin Cook so far, but it's the off. It's another team that's going to need to hold teams to 14, 15 points a game. That just doesn't work in the NFL. So no, it doesn't. It didn't have to find ways to score more than that. It's true because the teams that build around defense like the Vikings, defense is less predictable, first of all. You know, you, if you have a great offense, you're great every year, like the normally. And it's it, there aren't that many, there weren't any dif- defenses that were really that big of a difference maker last year. I mean, the Vikings had a, ultimately a disappointing season considering all the talent they had defensively. I hate to keep sounding like that broken record here, but this is a team that wins and loses based on how its tackles play because mm-hmm. they I mean Bradford has no time to throw they had nowhere to run last year I mean, it, and they look exactly the same in yeah. the preseason they it's have, one of the reasons why I kind of liked how Bradford I thought Bradford had his best season overall that his best two seasons really are the last two in yeah. Philly and Minnesota that I think he's shown some progress that if you can help him that he'll be a solid enough starter for you. I don't want to put this type of pressure on the kid, but uh, once upon a time, Randy Moss came in, came into the league, took it by storm, and transformed the entire Vikings offense. Dalvin Cook's gotten a lot of good reviews, rave reviews. Uh, he's replacing a legend in Adrian Peterson, obviously. Maybe I should have used Peterson as the example since he's also running back, and Cook is replacing him. But we're past that now. <laughs> Cook, could he be a potential guy that – shoots out of the box and is a monster contributor and solves a lot of issues for them. I think he does a lot well. I mean, he catches the ball. He, he, he's, on, he's an every-down kind of they, running back. They have good players on their offense, like Rudolph and Thielen, who's now playing the slot almost exclusively, and Stephon Diggs. But all of these guys, they're not top 10 guy. It's kind of like they're kind of like the Sam Bradfords of their position. It's a lot of guys <laughs> that are in the middle, but yeah. there's not a lot of guys that are at the top, and that's not going to be good enough. Ultimately. What are we hearing on Laquan Treadwell, by the way? Is he going to be a guy that makes plays? I think he's, Greg nailed it. He, we, he's playing this year, yeah. so that's different. Like, he's going to be starting. We'll see what happens. Better than last year. <laughs> All right, moving on. Nick Shook, the Detroit Lions. The Lions had a uh, hot start to the preseason, uh, destroying the Colts and perhaps finding a new weapon in wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Uh, since then, uh, they've had some bad things happen. They lost defensive end Kerry Hyder. Uh, for the season. Uh, Galladay's been a non-factor since then, and Ziggy Ansah still hasn't played. He's supposedly on track to play week one. Uh, a lot of guys like that right now. They're yeah. like, oh, they haven't practiced, but he's going to play week one. Which I can understand, especially in week four. What's the reason to play them? Right. But I won't believe it until I see them on the field or, or off the inactive list uh, come Sunday. I think uh, another position that they need to really play well in the absence of Taylor Decker is the left tackle spot. Um Greg Robinson they've brought in to try to that's alleviate tough. it. And that's, yeah, I mean, we, we know what you can get out of him or can't get out of him. Uh, and also offensively, what are they going to get out of Amir Abdullah? Because he's a guy who's got a lot of talent 
and you can see it in him, but he hasn't necessarily produced that so far. And I think that goes a long way to how they succeed offensively. Um, defensively, I think they're a little thin up front. We kind of, you know, already covered that. But on the back end, they should be okay. They were one of the worst defenses in the league last year. So there's really nowhere to go but up. Abdul is a guy that jumps out to me because, yeah, we've been talking about him for a couple of years now in terms of being a guy that can be a real big-time playmaker. And they let's face it, they need somebody to come in there, whether it's on the offensive or defensive side of the ball, and kind of electrify that place a little bit because they're kind of just – they just exist right now, the Lions – can Abdul be that guy? I was waiting for, for that take because I think the Lions have gotten a lot of grief in this room. You, you thought they're just lazy. For good reason. Training camp I'll get to camp. I'm gonna, here's a hot take. This is a fun offense to watch. I enjoyed watching them last year, and they should be more fun. Matthew Stafford is a fun quarterback to watch. Yeah. Amir Abdullah is a fun quarter is a fun running back to watch. If he can stay on the field, he's exciting. Marvin Jones has a lot of potential. Didn't quite stay consistent, but he's had a good preseason. Golden Tate's long been one of my favorites. Yeah. Galladay here was making some highlights. Eric Ebron's got a little bit of juice. Give me the more Eric, Eric Ebron. Ebron's got to do it too. <laughs> I don't know about that last part, but here's the thing: Matthew Stafford, who had mechanical issues, you know, left and right, his whole career, very frustrating to watch. I do think we love Jim Bob Cooter in this room. Coots. Guy actually has made a change with Matthew Stafford, and there is an up and up. But I they, we, is that narrative still happening? I think it is yes, because Matthew Stafford has been a different year. quarterback under him. When you open yeah. up your profile on a team, though, with roughly seven or eight burning questions, <laughs> that's not a great thing. Yeah. Most of them, they, most of them, with not a clear answer. They're they're defensively for the most part. Now they have a couple second year guys. Ashawn Robinson's had a really good yeah. uh, training camp. They're actually going to start Anthony Zettel. A sixth-round pick is taken over. Why not? You have some, they have some young guys coming up that if they can emerge, Robinson especially. Seven and nine. They also took down their playoff banners. Yeah. I feel like that's good. That Those fabric is like 100 years old at this point. Good mojo. All right. No, if you made the playoffs, they, they had the up. banners. Oh, also. okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, the Chicago Bears close out the division, Mark. All right, little sandwiches bet here. Ooh. All right. I, we can not, how, how deep can we get into the Bears without talking to sandwich propositions? What week does Mitchell Trubisky make his first start? I'm tired of hearing about this red shirt nonsense. John Fox is the potential <laughs> issue there because we don't know what he thinks about quarterbacks. But start it off, Shook. What week for a sandwich? <laughs> well, first off, you're the captain of playing every rookie quarterback. Yes, so I am. Yeah. Patrick red, Mahomes, red shirt. Stop Kaiser. preventing the inevitable. Red shirt and quarterbacks is on Mark's radar. I because like, it doesn't I like happen. Bossy Mark. <laughs> I like this brassy Mark. Stand up, be brassy Mark. How many games does he does he start? <laughs> well, no. What what week do we first see him? Whoever gets you can Ooh. even you can split a sandwich if you want to pick the same week. <sighs> week three. So. Okay. Uh, I don't call that a red shirt. What no, do you got? I'll, I'll, I'll hold off. You go ahead. I'm looking at the <laughs> schedule here, seeing you know the the defenses they play early aren't aren't the tops. I'm gonna go week five. Let's unveil them for a nice Monday night game against the Vikings. Oh, no, 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 no. Poor kid. That you feels it. dangerous. <laughs> no, they're gonna do the the classic. Hey, we want to get the kid ready during the bye week. And then they'll roll them out week ten against the Packers, and then your pretty nineteen million dollar investment at least gets half a season before they say, "Oh, he's not the guy." That's my pr- prediction there. It, it's a weird situation because Glennon and Trubisky, when he ultimately plays, has a really good offensive line in front of him and potentially a good running game. So those are good things for a quarterback and maybe a decent defense. But 
But I would say the worst wide receiver group now that Cam Meredith is out for the season in the entire NFL. Kendall Wright is their number one receiver. Oof. I haven't seen a quarterback, or at least remember one in recent memory, who was a free agent signing who lost so much momentum so quickly. Like yeah. Brandon Hass. Yeah, and you know what? The, the teams that don't give their quarterbacks any receivers, you don't really give them a chance because they don't get – the guys that you play don't get separation. And if you, if you, even if your offensive line is good, you end up being in a situation where you're holding on to the ball. That leads to trouble. you you got to give your guy at least one weapon, an Alshon Jeffrey type. You don't give him anything, you're done. All right, you guys are all picking very smartly, you yes. know, at least a couple weeks into the season. I think he is taking snaps by the end of week one, and he starts week two against the Bucks. It's happened before. It's man. happened before. And here, the one thing when we talk He's about – He's been awesome. Well, yeah, He's when we talk so about – that's the thing. If he, if he had been a dud, then you can't just bring him. But you, you don't go six weeks into a season if you're John Fox and you're 0-5 and you don't try that that quarterback. Well, you're assuming look, they'll be 0-5. I'm just saying that's very likely a possibility. Their There's, defense could be really good. We, we have no idea if Pernell McPhee's even going to play, but their defense could be They could be decent. good and still go 1-4, though. Who would have thought, though, Trubisky and Kaiser were the two rookie quarterbacks everyone got jazzed up about this mm. preseason? Yeah. We all got the Packers winning the division? Yeah. Yeah. No other playoff team. Uh, no other playoff okay. team? Yeah. Yeah. All right, move, moving on to the NFC South. Greg, get us going with the Saints. The New Orleans Saints have been needing a good rookie class for a while. They needed to get younger. They needed to get faster. And we'll see if they actually are good. But they're going to be playing a lot of rookies this year. Three starters on the defense uh, that's going to be playing as rookies. Marcus Lattimore, who's looked good. Um, who am I forgetting? Marcus Williams, who's looked good at safety. And Alex. And I wasn't sure exactly about the pronunciation there. But how does it go? I think it's Anzalone. Anzalone. Let me hear it again. Anzalone. There we go. <laughs> He's the new Jairus Bird. Anzalone. He's Dude, moving like around. Like and that. watch out for A.J. Klein. Is that not guy a... in Sicily or something? I like that. <laughs> watch out for A.J. Klein, not a rookie. Free agent pickup from Carolina who's looked really good in the preseason. One of their beat writers who does a great job, Nick Underhill, said he's the best linebacker he thinks that's been on the Saints in the last four years. We haven't seen this guy because he was Luke Kuechly's backup, but when he played late last year, really made a difference for them, and he could really help the Saints defense. I don't want to put too much weight in the preseason. have to say that with every comment I make about what happened in the last month, but it's, this is the Saints defense that Sean Payton should have begun to rebuild about half a decade ago. Thank you for finally doing it. They look interesting. If they could just be average, that's their formula. Let's get an average defense. They could be a playoff team. And then we can be a playoff team with an average defense. How does the um, backfield shake down there? I'm very interested to see because you got three guys, including the kid, who who seem to be ready to to get work. You figure Adrian Peterson is going to get a a shot at this to be their primary guy, but maybe not. How do we see it shaking out? I don't even know what the, what they've done in the preseason. It doesn't matter to they me. They pulled it Peterson down yeah. by the goal line for Ingram. I think Alvin Kamara, I don't know how you keep him off the field. Kamara's going to play a lot in that Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles type of role, and I think Ingram and Peterson split the snaps otherwise. I think they're going to be kind of try to be a more run-first type of team. We have our uh, part two of the fantasy extravaganza on Friday. I feel like the Saints are a um, fantasy Bermuda triangle at the running back position. <laughs> Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, that's after having taken Alvin Kamara late in the draft last night. Uh, well, it's like a 15th round pick. Sure, <laughs> well, it's a whatever. PPR league. Yeah, get, yeah, but we don't. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like the running back situation. I like that we went there. Um, 
I don't know how it's going to shake out between Ingram and Peterson, though. Some people have talked maybe Peterson ends up being the guy more than Ingram, but I, how do you do that to a guy who rushed for over 1,000 yards last year? That's a fantasy problem, though. I think that's a great thing. for Ingram's oh, not exactly yeah. a lock to be yeah. healthy. Neither is Peterson. Well, they're going to also, as a re- direct result of all the talent they have in the backfield, this is going to be the year where they kind of tone it down a little bit with Drew Brees. I think is so. Is going to throw for 5,000 yards again with all those weapons in the backfield? I think you know, you're getting Max Unger back at center fairly early in the season. It sounds like, yeah, I, I think their talents – at running back. They got Michael Thomas, but it's not the deepest receiver group that they've had after Michael Thomas. Move on to the defense. Right up to the end with the Saints. Listen, when the when the horn goes I'm off, you got to move. I'm feeling it. All right, is it fair to – it is fair, I will say. I'm not even going to ask you. It is fair to wonder if Matt Ryan and the Falcons offense will take a step back under uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, because think about it. Kyle Shanahan last year, it was – essentially the equivalent of a perfect game in baseball, uh, the way he handled himself and, and ran that offense last year, he's gone. Um, how concerned should Falcons fans be uh, if that this offense is simply just not going to be the same? Because you never want to be – Sarkeesian, like we've said on the show, you never want to be the guy that follows the guy. You want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows the guy. I think, I think they were – you know, Shanahan had a perfect game – up until like the bottom of the ninth when the Patriots hit like a home run out of the park to win it. But I, I will say this. Fair point. They were Greg, not good in the Super Bowl. Greg just said this. Oh, well, well, let's take a look at the numbers before we assassinate their offense in the Super Bowl. Three drives, three three scoring drives out of ten, their lowest scoring per drive except for one game all season was one of the That Ryan takes games. a sack, they kick a field goal, and they win. We're, they, we're yeah, they also, look, they also look great at some point. I say, defense stays the same. You can is more predicted to stay the same, or offense from, from year to year. And what's been taken away – from this attack. They, their offensive line is what I loved last year, too, the way they rebuilt that. You have all the same weapons, and the actual scheme from what we've seen in the preseason looks very similar. So my, I'm optimistic. In terms of reaching statistical heights that you that they did last year, that, that, that won't happen. It was never going to happen with Kyle Shanahan. No. They, they almost are underrated for how good they were. They scored the second most amount of points per drive in NFL history. Only the 2007 Patriots were better than the Falcons. So they were going to take a step back. That's just that's just natural. But I think the defense, very young. We've talked about it on the show. I like their talent. I think that makes up for it because their defense was pretty bad. So if their defense can improve to above average, that makes up for the offensive decline. I think they're primed to win the NFC South, and and that's really probably the easiest prediction you can make in this entire show, But mm. considering they won the conference last year. But they haven't really lost much, like you guys said. I mean, the first person I can think of offensively who they lost no one. is fullback uh, Patrick DeMarco. Like, that's yeah. how far down you have to go. And I also love how their offense spreads into so many different targets that it really doesn't matter because so many guys are going to catch balls or going to get hand, you know, get, going to get carries that, you know, it, it doesn't really matter if you lost a guy or two. It's probably injuries alone that would sink them. I think this is the best division in football. I think any one of these four teams could win the division, and it shouldn't be a shock. And I think this division has a chance to sneak three teams into the playoffs. Even though they got to play each other, they also get to play the AFC East and get those wins over those uh, dregs like the Bills and the Jets. <laughs> I love this division. It's back. Um, okay. I appreciate the optimism, Greg. I will say that they, they did lose something, Nick Shook. And let us I'm not joking. Don't say the Georgia Dome. They lost their innocence in that Super Bowl loss. And I believe in the hangover. That I buy in. Nick, the Bucks. You know, well, they did gain a giant bird outside their stadium. Uh, the, it's huge. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Well, they've been the darling of Hard Knocks this year, and so we've gotten a pretty uh, uh, close look at uh, how things go down there. It's in like Florida. Orson Welles <laughs> in front of the radio. The way, uh, <laughs> Everyone <laughs> gather around. <laughs> Shooky's about to. We're talk. going to talk about the Buccaneers. Uh, John Gruden had a moment, uh, I think, on the third episode of Hard Knocks, where he looked at Jameis in a production meeting and said, "What more do you need? You got two good tight ends. You got all these receivers. You got you know good running backs. You got a pretty good offensive line. What more do you need?" Well. I think Jameis Winston is primed to have his best season yet. I'm, you could say I'm on the hype train, but when I look at that roster, and, and yeah, they struggled last week in the preseason. Um, they have all the pieces that they need to be successful. It comes down to Winston, though, because every once in a while he makes one of those boneheaded plays deep in the red zone when he's getting pulled down by a defender and throws it straight in the air. He's got to cut down on those. I don't know. You know, I don't know if he's going to get rid of that. I that's Maybe who he is he will right now eventually. a little bit. And I don't know if he totally needs to. He's never going to be Tom Brady, and maybe he's not going to be Aaron Rod- Like, But there's been some great quarterbacks that throw some interceptions. You know, you can be Phillip Rivers. You can be Eli Manning. You can be Joe Namath, certainly. You know, you can be Brett Favre. Like, a lot of, guy, a lot of great quarterbacks threw a lot of interceptions. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, he might always be that guy. I don't think he's going to not be that guy this year. I think he's going to drive Dirk Cutter uh, crazy occasionally, as <laughs> we've seen on Hard Knocks, which is continuing what's been an excellent season. But also keep this in mind, he's still just 23. Yeah. So he came into the league so young that we might it might be five years before we see the best version of Winston. He's still learning the game, and he's a lot of fun to watch. The thing I love about uh, their offense is is the pairing of of Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. I just I love how they kind of complement each other. You got the short, speedy guy. You got the big, you know, guy who can go get the jump ball. Um, it, you know, and they also love each other a lot, like as in they love themselves. According to <laughs> Hard Knocks uh, defensively, I love them. I, I, yeah, I know, I know. It's great entertainment. Uh, the only thing, only real concern I have on defense is to stay healthy, namely Gerald McCoy. Um, and also the back end, uh, Chris Conti and, and Keith Tandy are their safeties. And that's kind of one thing no one's really talked about. I don't really know what you can ex- – I know what I can expect out of Chris Conti, which isn't a ton. I don't know about Tandy. He had moments last year. The most tired uh, item I heard all offseason was this business that Doug Martin might not be the starter when he comes back. If he looks the way that he's looked – then that's the key to their offense too, not just Jameis Winston. Th- that ground game, when they had essentially the be- the NFC's best pair two years ago, if you can have that to to center your passing game around, they can score points and make up for Chris Conti and the rest of the issues they he, might have. On he defense. stood out as much as any player in the preseason for having that juice. Like you, it, he yeah. was exciting. Close out the division, Mark Sessler with the Panthers. Biggest question for me in Carolina, and I need your guys' opinion on this. What have you seen out of six-round end Alexander Armagh? I've seen great burst, uh, a knack for his surroundings, and maturity. What position does he play? I think Dan wrapped that up. Let's go in a different direction. (laughs) Christian McCaffrey, I think the most exciting, one of the most exciting players we've seen in the preseason by far. He's basically already, they've already put his name on the Offensive Rookie of the Year award, barring some sort of issues. Oh, please. How about your boy Kaiser? I like Mixon too, but I'm just saying McCaffrey has those plays that are going to be, you know, they're going to be on NFL.com all week long. You already can see it happening. Nice plug. Over under. A plug for my employer. (laughs) (laughs) I am good at that. Um, Here's my over under line 900 yards on the ground, 500 through the air, 10 total touchdowns. 1,400 total yards from scrimmage and double digit touchdowns. That, first of all, is barring Kaiser or somebody else blowing up. That is Offensive Rookie of the Year in production. 
I don't see why it can't happen. I think they're going to make a real effort to protect Cam this year. Uh, and with the sh- shoulder issue and also just in, that he's been beat up a lot in the last few years and getting McCaffrey the ball in space quickly, giving him the rock along with, with Stewart. I think uh, I, I could see him producing at that level. Overs across the board. I'll go over. I also drafted him on my fence. Over for yards and and catches, but under for touchdowns. It's a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, I like for that. a little guy. Yeah, it gotta is. get yeah, Jonathan Stewart some balls. I think he's gonna have a game where he scores four. Okay. He's gonna have one game this year where he scores four, and it, and it boosts the whole thing. They're but. they're a little like the Redskins that they haven't practiced much together, so that you kind of expect them to come into the season a little slow. I mean, Cam most notably hasn't really practiced, and then Curtis Samuel also hasn't been on the field, so. I don't know if they come out of the gates being their best offense. Is anybody spooked at all by Ron Rivera when they asked, you know, what do you expect to see from Cam? And he's like, nobody knows. It's like when he was a rookie. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll know when, when the season starts. I mean, it was very honest, but it was also kind of like a little bit telling. Like, It's true. He's leaving the window open that Cam might not look like the guy from 2015 at all. No one's seen him throw a pass down the field yet, and he's barely practiced with his team. But this team – this Panthers team, it wouldn't shock me if they get a bye in the playoffs. I think that these four teams have such a high ceiling if things go right because the defense is so good on paper. I think they love those two young cornerbacks, Bradbury especially. They still have the, the great linebacker group. And that pass rush on the end, and now K1 Short and Lodalele in the middle, it's, like, it's about as deep a pass rush and as solid a defense. I think Ron Rivera loves this defense. You could see this division with a 13-3 and three. An eleven and five and a nine and seven, right? All oh, sneaking yeah. in. You guys are really that doesn't happen very often. Well, when it it's doesn't. hard to predict who's going to take it because there's so many, so much reason for each one I, of them. I just think they all have a really high ceiling. Like there's a lot of potential on all these teams. Like four of the best seven or eight teams in the in the. This is Greg's <laughs> golden period. This has been his division for a long time. Somebody's going to fall on their face. Pick the division uh, real quick. Mark Atlanta. Sure. Atlanta Buccaneers with a wild card. I got uh, Atlanta uh, against my better judgment. Perhaps I'm sticking with the Falcons. So any, any. Uh, I have Bucks wild card. Wild card teams? No. Oh yes, I do actually. I have Tampa Bay getting the wild. I'm gonna go Falcons repeat and Saints get into the playoffs. Ooh. Mm. How about that? I Let's like close it. it. Look at you, still standing. I'm by those thinking Saints. of put, throwing all three. So you uh, picked all your teams. I'm throwing the, the Panthers in too. You picked the Eagles and you picked the Saints. All the Greg Tenpole. Well, hey, here, hey, newsflash: uh, we don't actually know what we're doing when we're predicting. Why not predict something you want? Let's move to the NFC West. Get us going, Greg, with the Seahawks. Oh, I have to go again. I thought we were done. <laughs> Forgot about the West entirely. <laughs> all right, just like the Green Bay Packers have timed it well in terms of their offense. I believe this is a big season for the Seattle Seahawks in that you are timing Russell Wilson's peak quarterback play with the very end of this defense having stayed together for so long. Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, K.J. Wright, Bobby Wagner, Cliff Averill, and Michael Bennett have been teammates together on the same team for five straight years. You don't see that. This is the greatest defense of the century in terms of staying together over a long period, and I don't think it's close. It's one of the best defenses of all time. So to me, they they have an absolute chance to go win the Super Bowl this year when you have Wilson at this peak and you still have this defense together one last time. I think you've hit the nail on the head, Greg. It's the same. We If you go to NFL.com, nice plug, Mark. Uh, we have all our predictions. Nice plug by you. 
on the website. Uh, and I said, I feel the Seahawks have one last big run in them with this core. And this everything seems to be aligned for that to happen, where mm. Russell Wilson is at the apex of his powers and healthy and looking like the 2015 Wilson. The defense together and still in their prime. One last big run. I see it happening. I think the Seattle Seahawks are a Super Bowl favorite to me. You guys, wow. kinda, they're consistent. I mean, they, they are one of the teams that you can look at every year and say, yeah, they'll be there. And it's because of that core, like you said. The one question I really have for them and how far they'll go is on the left tackle because they lost George Fant, and I just want to know how they replace him. That's a great question. It's a problem, but you never knew if he was going to be – I mean, he he really struggled last year. Yeah. Now you now you have a young guy – you're gonna see. It. You're right. It's a huge question mark. For I mean, that. the line last year, or a couple of years, like last year, the line caused Russell Wilson's breakdown in health, yep. and it completely disrupted that offense. You, that needs to be a markedly better situation. I will say, of all these players that went and got in shape in the off season, and I did this and that with my diet, Russell Wilson showed it on the field. He looks like a physically different person. He looks faster. He looks fully healthy. So you're getting him from full go in week You're one. hoping Paul Richardson stays healthy. You're not sure what you're going to get out of Lockett, but it's a deep backfield right now. This guy, Chris Carson, every year Wes talks about who's going to be the rando that shows up in the preseason. <laughs> Chris Carson yeah. runs on the field like he's Batman. I mean, he's not built <laughs> like a normal running back, and I just love the way he runs. He's fun to watch. Between him and Rawls, I think that's going to be So basically it's every year for the Seahawks to get one of these guys, yeah. though, basically. Greg, I just cut another shot of you in the monitor. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, when you're in the middle of a point, and it's just like, it's amazing. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I'll talk about the Arizona Cardinals. All right, uh, basic question. Can the Cardinals protect their old man, QB? Carson Palmer showed in the second half of last season that he could still – Sling it. It's football jargon, Mark. <laughs> uh, but it'll be 38 in December. He's an injury risk. We know that. The offensive line has been suspect for a while now. You know, we were talking – who was the bad lineman we were talking about earlier that they're putting a lot of faith in in the tackle? Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson. How about a little DJ Humphreys protecting uh, Carson Palmer's blind side? Is this all a recipe for disaster? Drew Stanton warming up on the sideline. What? I mean, you're asking us to predict – if 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 it feels if it'll last, which I think it's tough to do, uh, you took basically my move there. I I will say <laughs> this: I think there is a lot to be hopeful about in Arizona on defense, which in terms of Kimdiche and guys like Honey Badger that looked completely refreshed and new this 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 preseason offense. There were issues connecting. I think it boils down to John Brown. Being John Brown, and he was right in, away. Had a couple touchdowns in the last game. That definitely got them excited. It's an interesting last stand type of season because you feel like it's this might be it for Palmer, might be it for Fitzgerald, might be it for Arians. That's a lot. It's a lot of pressure to put on a team. I watched Bruce Arians' body language in the preseason so far, and even in his press conferences, he's never a cheery guy. But I could almost feel him sweating already. Uh, he, I think he knows the gravity of the season. You know what I love, though, about this team? And I, I was, I've been saying they're a playoff team all offseason. I was thinking of jumping off it for one of these NFC, NFC South teams. But then I looked at the schedule. And you get the 49ers and the Rams, who are a little better, but that's four games. And you get the AFC South out of division. That's a big-time edge to the Seahawks and the Cardinals in terms of trying to boost up that win total. Those are all very winnable games, four games against the AFC South for the Cardinals. And that's why I think they'll be a wild-card team. David Johnson is also uh, an MVP candidate, obviously. And I know, Greg, I think 
I think you wrote in that preview piece the idea that he could have a 1,000-1,000 season in him potentially. You're dealing with that type of talent in the backfield. So if you have if you have Carson Palmer healthy, when you have a weapon like that, if John Brown's healthy, if Larry Fitzgerald does another year in the tank, there are a lot of ifs in play here. If Honey Badger really does get back to where he was, if Kim DJ actually lives up to his draft standing this year, a lot of things I feel like have to go right. And sometimes I feel like their window did close two seasons ago and we're still keeping it open a little bit, but I'm not convinced that this is anything more than a 9-7 and team. They, they, they would have been a 9 or 10 win team last year with a couple kicks and a couple breaks, and that was with a lot of things going wrong. It, we talked about the Lions don't have a lot of top-tier talent. This team has a lot of top-tier talent. Like, their top 10, 10 players nine, are about, you know, are right there seven, with top 10 players six, from, from other. Yeah, and them going 9-7 and seven and bowing out or missing the playoffs is not a success. Uh, Nick Shook, one of the league's laughing stocks last year, the 49ers. Oh. Things looking up? <laughs> I thought I you said Nick I Shook. Was I one thought of that's what he was laughing. saying. I would too. not do that. Look at the man. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, 2 and 14 last year, and uh, pretty ugly to watch. For some reason, I ended up with a lot of 49er games to monitor last year, so I got to know him pretty well. And one of my favorite guys Lucky on the team. You. <laughs> means you're at the end of the depth chart. Yeah, no, I don't want to. Yeah, I know, I know. I understand. I know where I stand. Don't worry. <laughs> uh,. Vance McDonald was one of my favorite guys, and he just got traded. So uh, that's going to be a thing that's going to make me sad about the Niners this year when I watch them again and again and again. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The other exciting point uh, from their offense was a backup quarterback who they drafted this year in C.J. Beathard, who has the town talking. Um, But he's not exactly (laughs) someone I would pin my hopes and dreams on either. You know what you get in Brian Hoyer. Um, Kyle Shanahan is going to be the right guy for the job in the long run. And I think John Lynch is the right GM. Uh, they've kind of taken the whole spaghetti approach and just thrown a lot of it at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, offensively, they've added some talent in Pierre Garcon and uh, Marquise Goodwin and Aldrick Robinson. Well, they didn't add Goodwin, but you know uh, Aldrick Robinson. And then the most exciting point for them, and I think uh, Connor sticks with me on this, is their defense has been really fun to watch. Well, they've drafted well, and it's worked out with so far with the players they picked. And I think that if you look at a team that can say, you know, maybe the 49ers, if you're just going to expect them to go 3-13, and 13, that script may not work because I could see them staying close in certain games. Kyle Shanahan is the, one of the best play callers, and he already seems to start to have, in some way, the makings, not the Falcons' offense, but the type of wide receivers, the Goodwin. type of players. Goodwin, Goodwin, Goodwin playing has that been role. Like the, their best receiver in yeah. practice all offseason, and then it shows up in the Absolutely. game. Absolutely. So I could see them, this kind of team, if you want to see growth, if you want hope as a 49ers fan, it's a little ugly out of the gate. You get some flow. Brian Hoyer's probably not going to start every game for you, but he's going to do some good things, some bad things. And you win one or two games, maybe in your own division down the stretch, that causes problems for some of these upper teams, the, the, the Cardinals and the Seahawks. I think the two worst teams in the league last year, the Browns and the 49ers, I think both of those teams could surprise people and win five to seven games in that range. I, I think the 49ers are going to be better because better coaching, a better quarterback, and a, an improving defense, I think they're going to surprise people. I, and I don't. I think the Browns were a much better team than San Francisco last year. The 49ers were about as bad as it gets. They were lucky to win two games. They were not competitive. This team will be competitive. They, they have really good things. The front seven, I mean, Reuben Foster has to be – uh, one of the favorites for defensive rookie of the year because those guys that just get a hundred tackles going sideline to sideline—that's who wins that that award sometimes. Solomon Thomas looked good. You got Eric Armstead. You've got a young defense. Their cornerbacks are probably the worst cornerback group in the entire league. So it's still an unfinished an unfinished team.
I think their defense is exciting for them this year, but I think they'll be on the field too much. And that's why I have them winning no more than four games. All right, let's pick the division real quick. Mark? We're just skipping the Rams. Yeah, you just – how dare you? <laughs> you know, it's funny, too, because it's Alex Wilkes' last show behind the glass uh, video producing. Uh, so rude that uh, we would skip his team or I would skip. I apologize. Uh, Mark, close us out with the L.A. Rams. I see Sorry, the, Wilk. The Rams with another oh, new man. coaching situation, not oh, un, not that different than, than San Francisco. This isn't the, one of the most depressing teams in the league like they were last year. But I get a little annoyed, and I knew this was going to happen, and it did. The whole Jared Goff thing, we've talked about it before. The expectations are so ultra-low that if he went and had like two-thirds of the season of Trevor Simeon, it, they'd be saying, wow, what a jump. What a jump. By the way, this was the number one pick in the draft. Why is it this way? And secondly, what is actually true growth from Jared Goff. I don't want to hear he throws seven touchdowns, but boy, he's getting the ball out quicker. This is the number one pick in last year's draft. I want to talk about what is true growth. More touchdowns than interceptions. Better be. Just looking comfortable. Looking like an NFL quarterback. I think if he had a solid season, they'd have to be happy about it. He gets 3,500 yards. It's kind of a sneaky, not even sneaky, it's a huge season for him because if they face plant for a second straight year playing in L.A. for a second year and they are near the top of the first round, could they be tempted to get sucked into what's a, supposed to be a really great quarterback class? I think he would really have to struggle for them to be in that conversation, but crazier things have happened. Uh, we've said it on this podcast. I'm I'm excited to see what he's what like with a real coaching staff and some actual supporting players. But he is definitely he hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt from anyone yet. I think we're in an era where teams aren't afraid to jettison guys they don't think are the guy. I mean, we just totally saw agree. Houston do it with Brock Osweiler. They surrendered a second round pick just to get rid of him. So I like that idea. I think that might be a little extreme right now since we haven't. I mean, they seen traded this a bunch of picks just to get into right. that spot to get him with the first overall pick. That should buy you more than two years, but the NFL. It's an interesting draft class coming up. Sammy Watkins hasn't made a big impact in the preseason. That's fine. It's not a big deal. But you do wonder if his deep speed can be taken advantage by Goff, who hasn't shown the ability yet to really go vertical, or the inclination as much as a guy, let's say, like Kaiser or Trubisky, where I think they're, they're, they don't show that hesitation to pull the trigger, and maybe Jared Goff has to this point. I want to ask Wilk, as a, a legitimate Rams fan, born and raised in SoCal. He has no microphone, so he's we'll, we'll give him it. a little time. Yeah. So, Wilk, where is the expectation of a real Rams fan in L.A. right now? Pretty low. Yeah. Uh, but I think there is hope. I don't. I don't think that there is expectations of coming close to a division title. But I think there is hope to be ten, six and ten, which nine, would be an improvement, eight, and then to grow seven, from there. And you got Wade six, Phillips. You got Wade Phillips five, and some. Pretty good defensive pieces if you get Aaron Donald back. Can Jared Goff play? Yeah, a little. (laughs) (laughs) Damning with faint praise there. All right, pick the division. Now we'll pick the division, Mark. Seattle will win it. No other playoff teams. Yeah, I'm I'm with him on that. Three. I feel like Mark didn't pick. Who are your wild cards? Did he pick anyone? Uh, Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. Yeah, I I should. Wow, Mark and I both. I didn't mention I have Philadelphia as my other wild card. Wow. Yeah, they're the second wild card for me. I love this. Did we agree on every pick? I just am trying to remember what I picked for NFL.com because last year I spread my picks over so many different media formats that I was right and wrong. Should we everything. fact check? I, I got now? the Seahawks winning this division and the Cardinals in the playoffs. Mark, you got the Eagles as a wild card Love right it. there and the Bucks. You said that, right? That's what I said. All right. Good. Good job, Mark. You had the Seahawks in the West. 
How does my Super Bowl pick Falcons. look compared to those NFL.com people? They're going to think this guy needs to be fired immediately if they Packers. aren't already thinking that. I think you're sticking with your picks this year and the yeah, Giants. Yeah. Look at you. Good for you. All right. That's, That's good. That's progress. That's Jared It is Gow. progress. Year one to year two progress. That's what the Rams It only took do. half a decade for me to actually stick to something that I said. Old uh, steady as he goes, Sessler. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. Uh, so that is our around the NFC, around the NFC in 48 minutes. A reminder that, again, this is our video show. Uh, so Tuesday, 930 Eastern, 630 uh, Pacific. You could check it out at NFL.com slash ATN video next week. Starting next week, the schedule shifts because the season's beginning. Uh, hooray. Uh, and our uh, video show and our first podcast of the week will be on Tuesday. Unless you count Sunday, Sunday, the first day of the week or the last day of the week. I think Sunday's it's, the first. Ooh, day it's the week. first. You know, technically, I technically I've thought the first. the first. But before then, we still have part two of the fantasy. Oh yeah, I'm getting to that. The plugs are still rolling out, Greg. Friday back, I will not be. I will be in Texas uh, with the wife, doing things. I, no, not charity work. Maybe maybe I'll get involved. I, maybe I won't. But I'll probably be at, at my parents or my in laws' family reunion outside Austin. You guys will carry on, and um, the fantasy extravaganza part two. With special guests. I have no doubt that you will get involved in some sort of charity work down in Texas, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for believing in me, Mark. Putting some pressure on me, quite frankly. Um, all right. That's it. Nick Shook, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having you did, me. You did it was beautifully. Great time. Even the whole uh, objectification of my uh, yeah. physical being. Yeah, yeah. We, we're going straight <laughs> up to HR after this. <laughs> I would say Kevin Patrick should steer clear of the video show. Not that I want to negatively impact Well, he's got the rest numbers. of us to sit next to still. That's true. This was like the first, the first batting practice Shook took uh, as a member. Yeah, he's got a ring as a member of uh, the Shield he softball does. team. Yeah. He, he just comes out there in that first – you know, batting practice, and balls are flying over the fence. Well, we, they certainly are. We had, we had a juiced bat, but don't tell anybody that. All right, let's get a, let's you know, scrub that from the show. <laughs> um, let's get out of here. This is Dan Hansa signing off for the Quiet Storm. For Shook, Pepper Spray, LC, and Alex Wilk, and everyone else behind the glass helping out. Thanks to everybody. Till Friday. <laughs> <laughs>